0: set a goal for yourself to do something that you never did or never thought you could do before you were diagnosed and watch yourself achieve that goal. And then just watch that, watch that turn into your new lifestyle and achieving that goal will be so, it will feel so good. um, And you'll realize that you're not limited and how capable you are.
1: If you have not taken the chance to sign up for my free online training, the three key steps to losing fat with type one diabetes, you can save your seat for free. Just go to diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash masterclass. I'm going to link to it in the show notes and it's all online, so you don't have to go anywhere. And when I very first started my own fitness journey back in 2015, I mean, I I feel like when I say that, I'm like, well, I tried to lose weight basically my entire life for as far back as I can remember, but it wasn't until 2015 that I really started doing the research and I really started taking it serious. And I started really trying to learn like, what, how does this all correlate to being type one diabetic? And when I started getting serious on it, guess what? I couldn't find any of the information that I was looking for. And so I applied all of the information that I learned anyways, and I just started taking note of how it was affecting me. And then I started sharing my journey online because I thought, you know, if there's anyone else in the world who is trying to do what I'm doing, is trying to lose weight and get fit and build muscle and do all of these things. I want them to have the information too, because part of it that was so difficult was actually taking the time to find the right information. And I know there's so much great information out there, but when it comes to type one diabetes, as you know, it can be a little bit more challenging. And so my master class is really just giving you three key steps to get started, because I don't know about you, but when you're first starting your fitness journey, it can be a little bit overwhelming just figuring out where to start. And if you're a newbie and you're just starting from scratch, that in itself can even be a little bit discouraging because you're starting from scratch. But let me tell you, if you are starting from scratch, it's a fantastic place to be because that way you can start fresh and you can really build the foundation for successful fat loss. And so this master class, this online training is Teaching you the steps to get started, and we're going to cover how to lose fat, the steps to, you know, when you start training and keeping your blood sugar stable and what foods you should eat and just all of the things. So if you haven't saved your seat yet, just go to diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash masterclass, save your seat. And there's four different days and times that you can choose if any of them don't work for you then save your seat anyways, because I'm going to be sending out a limited replay only to those who registered but couldn't attend. So make sure to save your seat no matter what so that you can receive this online training. It's going to be super helpful to you. I wish that I had it when I first set out on my own fitness journey. So it's going to be very valuable. You're going to love it. And I can't wait to see you guys next week. On the 8th of January is when the first class starts. I have been so incredibly excited to share this episode with you. This is the very first episode where we're having a guest on the pod. And I'm just so, ins- it's such an inspiring episode, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. And, you know, we're stepping, we've just stepped into a brand new year. It's 2020. I hope you had a fabulous new year. And there's just so many things that I feel like have, you know, come up for so many people because at the beginning of a new year, it's like, it's for some people, it's like a a new start, right? You're starting fresh, but along the way, things happen and so many things. There's so many lessons that we learn and so many things that help us grow, but I think one important thing, and this is just one small reason why I'm so excited to share this episode with you today, is because I think it's so important to have people in your life, whether it's a physical relationship or through podcasts or Maybe it's through social media, but some sort of outlet, some sort of person who is expansive for you, because when you have a goal or when you are doing something that you really want to do and that you've maybe never done before, it's so powerful to know that someone like you has done it before. And just by knowing that, it can teach the subconscious that you too have what it takes And so I have actually been taking this, it's a manifestation, I want to say course, but it's not really a course, but it's on manifestation. And one thing that I've learned through taking this manifestation program is that You don't manifest through thinking positive or, you know, when you make a dream board and you think about it every single day. And I mean, everyone's going to manifest things differently. There's non-specific manifestors and then there's specific manifestors. And these are things that you learn if you ever want to look up your human design chart, which is actually really fascinating. So the program that I'm taking, it's with Lacey Phillips. It's called To Be Magnetic, and I'll link to it in the show notes if you're interested in checking it out. But basically, she talks about how, you know, you don't manifest things from your conscious thoughts. It's all through your subconscious. Because if we were to manifest the things that we wanted through our conscious thoughts, you know, we think about a lot of crazy shit all the time. And sometimes, you know, like if you think about the thoughts that you have in one day, some of them you might not be totally proud of, right? And it's so hard to just think in one set way. And so she really talks about how you manifest things from your subconscious. And so there's three things when it comes to manifestation. And one of them is being expanded enough. So having those people in your life or just knowing and believing that it's possible and that you are worthy of receiving what you're trying to call in, what you're trying to manifest. And so when you hear stories of other people who have done amazing things or have done things that maybe you want to do yourself... And the other things when it comes to manifesting is how deserving do you feel of what you're trying to call in? Do you feel deserving enough for what you are asking for? And part of it is just really doing the deep work to figure out why if you don't feel worthy enough and really unblocking everything that makes you feel unworthy and getting into that feeling of worth. And the last thing is passing tests because... When you're trying to call something in and the universe will throw you certain things, just a test like, do you really feel worthy for what you are trying to call in? So these tests might be things that will suddenly appear in front of you and you might take, and it might make you want to take them or take the opportunity because you're afraid that what you are actually trying to call in won't come. And so you end up settling for less than you really want. So an example of this sort of test would be, I have been working really hard to launch my fat loss for type ones course. We're launching next week. You guys, if you're listening to this on January 8th or after January 8th, between January 8th and 17th, the doors for fat loss for type ones will be open, but I've been working on launching this course. So we're going to be launching twice in the year of 2020. And it's been such an amazing ride the last the last 12 months, really. It's been so fun to watch the transformations of the people that I've been working with through the course. And I'm so excited to really share it with you. So that's what I've been working on. It's been you know, one of my goals for the entire year. I'm like, January, we're going to launch again. And then the day that I had set for my launch date, I got this brilliant opportunity to, they were, it was with, I think it was with Lily. It was um, for a type 1 diabetes conference. They were gonna fly me to Toronto and they were going to have me be a part of the panel to talk about low blood sugar and all of these things that really mean a lot to me. And it, I was like, really, this exact same day that I'm supposed to be launching my course. And so I felt like it was the universe testing me. Taja, how bad do you actually want? your course to be out in the world on January 8th? How bad, how much does it mean to you? And so I ended up turning down the opportunity because to me, I felt like just sharing this information with you guys and having the opportunity to all work together in January meant so much more to me than being part of a panel even though that would have been a fun opportunity too. But i had already set this this goal for myself. And so I was like, I'm going to stick to the plan. But long story short, you know, this episode that I'm going to share with you today is just so expansive. It was expansive for me. It's going to be so expansive for you. And if you are setting fitness goals this year, you are going to really feel so inspired by what Chad shares with you today he lost over 150 pounds and this was even before his type 1 diabetes diagnosis so we're going to talk about his diagnosis and just all of the things and it's it's very it's so powerful so i'm really excited to share it he calls himself just your average guy who has lost and kept off an above average amount of weight After talking to him, he is so much more than just an average guy. He has so much to share with the world, and he is so inspiring. And he's currently a stay-at-home dad. He's getting ready to go back to work. And all of his weight loss happened prior to his type 1 diagnosis in 2016 when he was 35 years old. So we're going to be diving into his story. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's do it. Thank you so much for being here today. And I also, like first of all, I just have to say, when I was looking at your photos, your transformation is so inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: People tell me that it's it's weird because people say that, but it's the only thing I know because I did it. Yeah. I, I mean, I have no alternate history, you know, so it's kind of like uh, it's weird because. People give me praise and tell me, "Wow, this is incredible!" But I know no different. It's just me. Yeah,
1: you're like, "This is me." Do people like come for you to you for tips and stuff all the time? Or
0: some of my friends do. I mean, I don't get random people coming up to me or like people online who have seen like pictures. I don't have that many. I'm not like that active online. But uh, yeah, my friends do. It seems like in my immediate community, I'm kind of like the go-to person. I guess.
1: Yeah. No, that's yeah. so cool. And I know, like, there's just, I have so many questions for you on that sure. topic, but I guess we should just start start at the beginning. You so because you were diagnosed when you were like after your fitness journey, right? So you started your finished journey, and then. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I was I was diagnosed at age 35, which is I'm um, so I'm 38. Um, okay. Uh, so When's your di- birthday? May. So I was diagnosed mm-hmm. right around my birthday, uh, three and a half years ago. But the weight loss, and it was kind of oh, the diagnosis was so confusing and it was almost like mm-hmm. ironic in a sense because I started my weight loss journey when I was about 26 in 2007. Mm-hmm. I was. I'd been heavy for a while, like through college, maybe like four or five years. And I'd struggled with my weight my entire life. I remember getting kind of, you know, heavy around fourth grade and, you know, junior high was rough. Um, The beginning of high school was rough. But then I kind of grew out of it a little bit toward the end of high school, you know, after like when puberty hit and I kind of stretched out a little bit. And so I was always athletic. I was always active but just struggled with my weight. It was a, a huge burden that I carried around for a long time. Um, and uh, for so many reasons I wanted to lose weight, but finally the straw that broke the camel's back was in 2007, right around my birthday in May. I was, I was called up by a friend and asked to go with him to his bachelor party. Um, with a bunch of people who I didn't know. I was the only, he was the only person in this, this group of guys that we were going to go with Mm -hmm. that I knew. And I was so uncomfortable with the idea of going somewhere with all these people. And, 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 and I, I don't mean to fat shame or anything. This is just my experience, but I was so uncomfortable with how big I was and, being that guy um, that I thought people were looking at or making fun of everywhere I went, um, and just for some context, I'm I'm about five ten, and at the time I weighed about three hundred to three hundred thirty five pounds at my biggest. I was three hundred thirty five pounds, and so and c- yeah. go ahead.
1: Sorry, I was just going to no. say because you lost like one hundred and fifty pounds, right?
0: Yeah, so so in total. It's even been more than that, but as of my weight right now, yeah, it's about 150 pounds. I'm about 185 now. Okay. Um, so yeah, I got invited to this bachelor party, and and I, I didn't want to go, um, but I you know I had to. So I set a goal for myself, and I I told myself that I would lose 50 pounds by um, August. So May, June, July, August, four months I had to lose 50 pounds before I went to this bachelor party. And I, I knew enough about exercise from, you know, playing baseball and being in high school sports to exercise, you know, but I didn't really know much about nutrition other than just the standard stuff that you hear uh, from people, you know, or that you hear growing up. And uh, so I just, I went for it and I, I worked as hard as I could and tried to eat a little bit better. and. I remember I woke up on the day that I was supposed to go to that bachelor party, did my workout and weighed myself, and I was a half a pound or so um, off from that 50-pound goal that I had set. And my friend was on his way to pick me up, and so I put on my sweats, and I just started running up and down my stairs in my condo until I sweat out a half a pound and literally jumped in the shower and got in the car and went to the bachelor party.
1: Oh, and my that, God, that's amazing.
0: And that started like the momentum. That's what got me going.
1: Yeah. Like talk about goals, right? Like that's a, such an achievement.
0: Yeah. So that was that was huge. And I think it was huge in a couple of ways. One, um, one thing that I didn't realize that I was doing at the time uh, was setting a, a shorter term goal. Like I had always wanted to lose weight. I had always wanted to, to be in shape, but I was looking at it like it's this thing that's just so far away. You know, I, I was over 300 pounds and I, I wanted to be 180 pounds or 185 pounds. And I mean, when you're looking at it that way, it seems insurmountable. It's almost impossible. Um, and I think yeah. that creating that short-term goal is really what one of the things that, that led to the success, that snowballing success that continued on going forward.
1: That's amazing. Cause I was going to say too, like just so many people who I talk to, one of the hardest things that they, it seems like they face is just the motivation and it's not even just like getting motivated, but then staying motivated. Like once they get started, you know?
0: Yeah. And have you ever, do you know who David Goggins is? I don't. Um, he's a, uh, he's been a, a guest on um, Joe Rogan's podcast. He's a former Navy SEAL, but his story is a lot about um, weight loss and and um, his attempts to become a Navy SEAL and determination and it's it's a mindset um, type type um, book that I, I listen to while I run and he 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 says things like you know it's not about motivation motivation is not always with us it's a mindset mm-hmm. and I, I believe that but we still need motivation and I think that that the only the only way that people are really going to succeed is if they can find that motivation like in themselves if you're doing it for yourself you can't do it for anyone else or any other cause or any other reason you really have to want it for you and you you have to be honest with yourself about that i feel like
1: yeah that's such a powerful thing too cuz i think a lot of the time that's you know people will look at other people for the motivation but it you're so right it has to be something that like You know, other people can inspire you, but you have to find it in yourself to actually stay motivated. What do you feel like, like for your personal journey is like, what helped you find that motivation for yourself? Do you think when you look back,
0: you know, I, I think that, like I said, you have to be honest with yourself. And I think what it was, was one day I just really decided to be honest with myself You know, I I didn't want to say things like, oh, I want to be, you know, thin or in shape Mm -hmm. to look good. Um, But I do like I want to look good. That makes me feel good. Um, I I do want to be healthy and I I do, you know, want to be able to participate in, in activities and sports. But I was embarrassed. I mean, I would go I would avoid certain restaurants because they had chairs that had arms on them and and i would have to squeeze into the chair to sit down and that was embarrassing for me i mean i didn't want to i didn't want to live like that anymore i didn't want to go places and be with friends and do things like go into a bachelor party which is supposed to be awesome yeah because i was embarrassed you know
1: yeah that and that's so amazing too like so inspiring that you you know made it happen for yourself and how you did it you know <laughs> like that's so awesome when you look back. Thank you. Cuz I'm sure there's so many people that that feel the same way but they're probably stuck in that place of like I don't know if it's possible for me or they're looking at the long game like how you were at the beginning.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of like the point of me being here or like why I was interested in doing this was you know, I'm not a health expert. I am not I don't do this for a living. I don't have a degree in this or an education in this. I you know, at the time when I decided I was going to lose weight, I worked for my father who is a contractor and, you know, I had a regular job and just a normal life. And, and I did this on the side, just like most of the people who I imagine listening to this are, are going to have to do, you know, they don't, they're not trainers or, you know, work in a gym where they have access to this stuff all the time. I was just a normal guy that had a weight problem.
1: Yeah. And do you find like was time ever an issue for you? Like making time to fit everything in and then have like your full time job and do all the other things that you had to do?
0: Yes. Yes. And no. Yes. Because I mean, I had a lot of responsibilities. um, So I definitely had to make time and I had to be very intentional about making time. But I did work for myself to some degree um, and had the flexibility to kind of you know, take a longer lunch if that's when I was doing my workouts or go in a little bit later if I was doing my morning workouts, things along those lines.
1: Yeah. That's good. And I mean, I guess even, cause did you have, did you hire someone or did you just figure it out all on your own?
0: I just did it on my own. I, like I said, I, I thought I knew enough about exercise and, and maybe even more importantly, my limits, just cause like I'd played high school sports. So, you know, I'd I'd been pushed. Like I knew how to work out, might not have proper form and every, you know, resistance technique, or I didn't fully understand nutrition, but like I said, you make small changes and that goes for the diet part too. Right. Like um, I remember thinking to myself, like, well, what can I do uh, incrementally to help with this? And I listened to a lot of what you preach about caloric deficit. Mm -hmm. And so uh, things that I would do is like I would eat a sandwich and chips, you know, for lunch, let's say, and I would still eat a sandwich and chips so that I didn't have to rob myself of the things that I liked. But I would, you know, not put the cheese on there, or not put the mayonnaise on there, or buy an individual bag of chips instead of eating from the big bag of chips so that I had portion control. Just little adjustments that I was okay assuming as part of my lifestyle instead of having to tell myself I'm on a diet, if that makes any sense. Yeah,
1: that makes total sense. And that's also such a important thing because I don't, do you think that a lot of people will, it's like, they'll be like, okay, I want to lose weight. And then they'll cut out all the things and try to stick to this like really, you know, healthy diet, but it's not sustainable because no one wants to eat salad all day, (laughs) every day. Right. Yeah,
0: totally. And I, I did that. I failed so many times for that reason. You know, you hear about a diet or something a workout or something that someone's doing and they tell you how you can you know drop a bunch of weight in this super short period of time and maybe you can i mean Mm -hmm. there are things that you can do but they're not sustainable they're not manageable they're not gonna they're not gonna last and that was my goal is i wanted it to last i i had done the roller coaster thing yeah but you know i wanted it to be my new life
1: yeah. That's so, that's so important. Cause you hear people talking about it all the time. It's like, they want, they want to look a certain way and they want to like get there, but then so many people are just doing it the wrong way in order to get, you know, the results that you got.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people are looking for shortcuts mm-hmm. and I had a friend tell me this the other day, you know, he was, we were having dinner and he was talking to me about this. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight and I'm struggling. And he's like, you know, I respect you so much because I've been able to. This is him talking. Yeah. I've been able to shortcut so many things in my life, in my career, you know, in my education, wherever it is. He's like, but this is just this one thing that you can't shortcut. Like you really have to put in the work,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you really have to put in the effort, and you really have to be determined.
1: That's so true because you've kind of like tried your for so long, right? But then when did it like hit you that you wanted to do it? The right way, and really dive into it
0: so up until two thousand and seven, I had roller coastered a couple times mm-hmm. um, and then in two thousand and seven, I was at my biggest and and I think it was probably just having gotten to my lowest point self esteem wise um, that that changed me and made me want to do it for real this time, if you will
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then the the goal achievements were um like addicting, you know, I I, I accomplished that first goal. And I was like, I want to do it again. And I that first one was the big one. And I remember it most. And I don't even remember what the second one was. I remember I'd set another goal for Thanksgiving. So from August to Thanksgiving, I wanted to lose some more weight. And I just, I just kept doing it. And I just kept hitting those goals. And it, it was like contagious, you know, it just consumed me and I wanted it so much more because I was successful with it. And I, I think that's powerful too. I think most people set off trying to reach that long goal and and have like an unreasonable goal and an unreasonable time frame and it's it's not a lifestyle adjustment, it's a diet. So then it gets hard and then they fail and then they want to give up.
1: Yeah.
0: Um but I forgot where I was going with that. Sorry.
1: No, that's okay. Um but I totally agree with you and I sometimes I feel like sometimes people it's like there's so much shame but it's like there's people don't talk about it a lot where it's like you want to look a certain way but you don't want to make that like the goal right like so many people I feel will be like I just want to be healthy but really it's like you want to look good (laughs) or and then when you're not looking the way you want then there's like shame in that too because you're like striving for something that you're not right so
0: and that's kind of what I mean about being honest with yourself is like I feel like a lot of people don't want to set don't want to put that in the, the front of their mind like they don't want to think to themselves I want to look good because that'll make me feel good because that thought in and of itself just sounds shallow right saying it mm-hmm. out loud but it's real I mean it's I feel good because I look good I have confidence because I look good you know, it makes me feel good to feel confident that when my wife looks at me, she thinks that I look good. I mean, it's just an important part of courting and dating and marriage. And I mean, attraction is real, and, yeah. and I think it's just as important as some of the other reasons that that might motivate other people.
1: Yeah, no, totally, I agree with that totally. Because it's and even when you feel good about yourself on the inside, it's like automatically you attract so much more that you're not even like going for right. Like, it's just so many other things. Whether it be like your job or your relationship or whatever.
0: Yeah, it just brings out the best you. Yeah, exactly. Your personality. Yeah, totally.
1: And then did you find like – because once you hit that um, first goal and then you – that was – it was that almost like a motivating force for you to continue? Like it's not – because you know at the beginning where you're trying to stay motivated and do all the right things but then after you reach that like – hump, then you all of a sudden, it's that's your motivation, because you see how you look and how much you've accomplished.
0: Yeah, so yes, it definitely is. It's like a snowballing effect. Yeah, you get there. And you're like, wait a second, if I could do this, then I can do this. And you, you keep achieving those goals. And, and your goals evolve over time, right? Like, um, I remember, you know, at one point, it was just, like, my goal wasn't even about weight it was like okay now I want to see veins in my arm yeah that might sound dumb (laughs) but like you know I'm lifting weights I'm focusing on um you know trying to get stronger and you know you just you start playing games like that with yourself to make it more interesting or more fun or um
1: totally yeah
0: more enticing and and yes it, it it becomes like I said almost like an addiction I mean now I don't even think of it as like I need to motivate. Yes, I need motivation on the daily to get out of bed on cold days and run when I don't feel like it. But like, I'm motivated by the fact that I feel terrible when I don't exercise. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so built into me now. Um, so yes, I mean, achieving the goals and it's just the way that it makes you feel uh, becomes becomes um, addicting, I guess, if you will.
1: Yeah. No, totally. I totally get that. And it's so funny that you said that because I was talking to someone the other day of how people are motivated and how some people are motivated by just the fear or the the thought of pain. Like there's so much pain in like not doing a certain thing or some people Mm -hmm. are motivated more by like how they're going to feel like the pleasure they're going to feel after they do the thing which yeah. is interesting. <laughs>
0: which, which, which one are you?
1: I'm, I think I'm more motivated by the pain of not doing something. So I'm always like trying hmm. to avoid pain in some way, I think. Okay. I don't know. What about yeah,
0: you? I, I, I'm definitely a fear motivated person. Um, I'm motivated by fear to stay away from, you know, like, a. I want to exercise to avoid being unhealthy or to Mm -hmm. avoid feeling the way that I used to feel. Um, But I'm a fear motivated person in general, but when it comes to exercising, um, I know that I'm not going to feel good Mm -hmm. if I don't do it. Well, I guess maybe that is fear. So I'm, I'm motivated by the fear of the fact that I'll feel like crap the rest of the day. I guess I was just trying to put a positive spin on it, but nope, it's definitely a fear-based motivation. <laughs> no,
1: I get it. Cause then also too, it's like, you know, how good you're going to feel after you do it, you know, like, cause you've right. been there before too. So it's like, it's a, possi- a positive, but a negative <laughs> or both. Right. And I was,
0: I guess I was trying to think of it in terms of that, which would mean that it was positive, but yeah, no, I think the motivation is the fear that I won't feel good if I don't do it.
1: Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I was just, um, traveling for like, I've been home for three days. So I was just traveling and it was really hard to even just make it to the gym some days. And so I just, I feel like there was a few days there that I was like, okay, like I'm kind of falling back into that just feeling of just blah, you know, Yeah, when you miss a few days.
0: And the other thing too is, yeah, once you, once it's part of your lifestyle, I don't know if you feel the same way, like even mentally, not just physically, like Knowing that I haven't exercised in a couple of days, if I don't have access to it for some reason, um, like my mind, I start to go crazy in my mind. Yeah. Like it, it becomes a mental burden. Like I need to do this. I need to get out there. Yeah. It's
1: like, like, do you almost
0: weighing heavy on me?
1: Do you get kind of like aggro feeling? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah.
0: Sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes I'm like angry. My wife's like, dude, what's wrong with you? You're
1: like, I need to go work out.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> or even totally. just like taking
1: a walk, right? Just getting moving your body.
0: Yes. As we, as we call it here with the kids getting your wiggles out.
1: Really? (laughs) How old are your kids?
0: I have a two-year-old and a nine-year-old. Oh
1: my gosh. Okay. So you're a nine-year-old. So what, cause, so were you married? Like, did you marry, get married before?
0: Yeah. So, so my wife and I have been together since high school. We started dating when we were 17. So 21 years we've been together. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and so, sh- thank you. She, she went through this whole thing with me. Um, you know, I was in high school, like I said, uh, toward the end of high school. When we met, I was a pretty regular guy, size guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, she was with me through the weight gain and the first, you know, all the roller coasters, the weight loss. And when we got married, um, I think I might have lost a little bit of weight for our wedding, but I was still in the 300-pound range. Um, and then I lost all the weight before we had our first kid though. And and that ended up becoming a motivator, um, down the line. Like I was, you know, meeting those goals. And then I, I, I kind of hit a plateau at one point, you know, maybe like around a hundred pounds or 125 pounds or so. Mm-hmm. I want to say I was like right around 200 and we decided that we wanted to have kids and I was dead set on making sure that I was in the best shape that I could because I didn't want to be passing that lifestyle or any of those genes or whatever. Yeah. You know, I may be carrying with me onto my kid. Um, so that was a huge motivator.
1: That's amazing. That's another like big achievement, right? Just your timing for everything.
0: Yeah. And And so, and then once we had our first son, um, I struggled again for a little bit. I put some weight back on, um, a lot of sitting around on the couch, you know, first kid, you don't really know what you're doing. Uh, and you're hyper-focused on the kid and,
1: and your sleep, I probably got
0: back. Oh yeah. Everything's all messed up. And, and for people listening, like I don't have diabetes at the time, right. When all this stuff is happening, I'm just going about my business normal normal life. And um, so yeah, I probably got back up to about 230 pounds or so. um, And I was kind of ignoring it and kind of slipped away from that, that um, mindset that I've been telling you about, Mm -hmm. like being super vigilant and focused. And then it became real again, when um, we were going to my wife's 30th birthday party, and I had to go buy bigger pants, because I didn't fit in all my pants anymore. And that snapped me like right back into action and just immediately got back on the horse and started, started losing weight again. And I think this time got down to pushed it down to about the 190 pound range. So that puts me at about 145 pounds lost up to that point Mm -hmm. in about 2010 and uh, things were going pretty good. I started a new business with some friends and, uh, it was an IT business, and, uh, you know, we were chugging along, and I had my son, and um, I was doing these annual trips to Vegas with my friends during March Madness, and I woke up one morning, and I was sitting at a blackjack table playing blackjack, and I couldn't add the cards that the dealer put on the table. I mean, it was like a four and a three, and I, I, like I couldn't even tell you what the math was. And I just started freaking out. I I started having a panic attack or what I think was a panic attack. I'm not sure. And came home and immediately got checked out and uh, diagnosed with general anxiety disorder and sent to see a therapist and uh, given anti-anxiety medication and just not doing very well. Struggling with it. Had to take a leave of absence from work. they they told me I was fine physically, but um, I just kept dealing with it for for a while, and then one day I decided I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't sleeping. I started peeing like every forty five minutes at night. I couldn't sleep at all. I decided to go see the doctor, and the first question the doctor asked me was whether or not I knew I was diabetic. Wow! And my my jaw about hit the floor. Like I was like, what? Um, He sent me to the hospital immediately. Um, I think my A1C was like 11.9. I I don't know how long this had been going on. My sugar was like over 500 um, when they sent me in.
1: Did you, so were you like, because I know when I was diagnosed, I lost a lot of weight. Did you, you, did that like, was there a period around your diagnosis where you felt like you were losing weight more than usual? Yes,
0: so yeah, that was kind of weird. like there was this there was a moment where I was losing weight, but I was like thinking that I was doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess I kind of skipped a little bit. Um, so I was like about hundred ninety pounds and I just, actually, after I had lost all the weight at at about one hundred ninety pounds, I ended up having a tummy tuck. Um, mm-hmm. so I had the skin cut off around my stomach. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like I said, I wanted to look good. Yeah. Like that was important to me. And even though I felt better, like I still felt deformed to some degree. Um, Like I had this like pouch hanging off of me that shouldn't be there that I wanted to get rid of, that I, no matter how hard I worked, wouldn't go away.
1: Yeah. And um, I'm sure a lot of people who have been through a similar journey probably, it's like you reach this amazing goal and then you have this other insecurity, right? Because you're like still not where you want to be.
0: Yes. And, and this is just the way that I feel. I want to, I want to reiterate that I'm not saying that anyone else should feel this way. I'm just trying to be honest with about the way that I, I felt. Um, so yeah, I had the, I had that tummy tuck, uh, to, to remove the extra skin. And, um, so then I was getting back on my workout program and I was working out again. So I was thinking that I was intentionally trying to lose some weight and I started losing more weight than usual. And then it started to get weird because I didn't feel very good and I was working out less, but I was still losing weight. And then it was even weirder because I was trying to put weight on and I was eating so much more and eating terribly, Mm -hmm. um, thinking I could gain some weight and I couldn't. And uh, I got down to like 168 pounds, which is tiny for me. I mean, I'm like in great shape at like 180, 185 pounds.
1: Were you losing muscle too? Um, I was
0: like oh totally. Yeah. Totally. I was losing everything. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't I didn't realize it. I didn't I was totally oblivious to it. Um because I didn't think to look for it. I was just looking at the numbers on the scale at first. I was like, wow, this is great. Um but then after a while I didn't feel very good. And I remember one night I was playing softball and uh, like, just running the bases. Like, my heart felt like it was beating really hard. My legs felt like they were about to give out. And that's what prompted me to go see the doctor the next day that ended up telling me that I was diabetic. And they sent me to the hospital and um, diagnosed me and sent me home with type 2 medication.
1: Oh, I've heard of that happening so many times.
0: I'm 35 years old. You know, you're dealing with ER doctors. They're not, I get, they're not endocrinologists, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm 35, and they're like, well, you know, you're, you need to change your diet, you need to start exercising. And I'm sitting there like with my shirt off in the bed, looking around going, guys, like, I'm in better shape than everyone in this room. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, like, I've been intentionally working out to avoid this. Like, what is up?
1: Yeah, you're like, and it would have made sense, maybe like, However many years prior, right? Like
0: yeah. So let's see. This was in 2016. I was diagnosed, and I mean, I had lost all the weight basically by like 2008 or nine. So I mean, I had been in relatively good shape for like eight years. Um, it was so far behind me. Yeah. So anyways, they sent me home with my medication, and I took it for a couple of weeks, and exercised, and ate like a rabbit and nothing happened. I mean, my blood sugar wouldn't budge below like high 3s, low 4s. Yeah. And so I called the doctors back and was like I need to need to talk to somebody. This isn't working. And that's when they told me, no, nope, you you're type 1."
1: So that, did you have to go back for another test for to know that you were type 1?
0: Um no. I they had run they had run some tests. Um I you know, I don't remember the order. They had drawn some blood. Mhm at the doctor and then, but then I think like my doctor was on vacation or something. So I didn't get any of the results of those tests, but I was in the ER and the ER doctors didn't know what they were looking at on those tests. Uh, so they were like, yeah, just talk to your doctor about those tests. Yeah. And so then when I did, they were like, yeah, well, you need to go see an endocrinologist and they gave me insulin that day. And for the first time in so long, like my sugar came down and I mean, I, I almost passed. I had my first low that
1: day. Really? Did you? Were you just like, <laughs> yeah. Did they? Did you have to go stay in the hospital at all, or was it just?
0: Uh, no, I was in the ER just for like half a day okay. that day.
1: Um, and they taught you? Yeah, how to do I never everything.
0: got. No, they didn't know because they sent me oh. home with type two medication. Like they were just like, oh, you're a type two diabetic. Go home, take your metformin, okay. and you know, eat better and exercise. So they didn't keep me. Um, they just sent me home and. And then when I saw the endo, they trained me on you know injections okay. and, and things like that. But yeah,
1: that must have been such a, a crazy change, all of a sudden, especially because you had you know lived so long, just doing things a certain way <laughs> without it.
0: Yeah, totally. I've thought about that a lot. Um, I mean, everybody's story is difficult and unique in its own way, but you know most of what I heard along the way was wow that's so unusual people usually get diagnosed with this you know when their kids are in their teens and i was thinking to myself like i was i was 35 like i already had kids i was so set in my ways i had routines i had all these different things that were just completely turned on their head yeah it was really difficult and and so demoralizing because i thought i was doing the right things to avoid diabetes, right? Yeah, like you, you've <laughs> lost mean, all this
1: weight, you're healthy. <laughs> did yeah. Does it run in your family at all?
0: Uh, so my dad does have type 2 diabetes. Okay, um, but not type 1. But that's the only, no, no no type 1. Um, but I don't think anyone else in my family does or did
1: even. So crazy. Um, I.
0: Yeah, it was a shock.
1: And so many people are getting diagnosed later in life too, I feel like now.
0: That's what my endo told me. Um, I'd read... She told me that uh that's the case, a lot of people are, and then I read some something recently that said like twenty percent I don't know how true this is, but that like twenty percent of adult type twos are actually misdiagnosed
1: Wow, that's scary yeah,
0: yeah right yeah because yeah especially knowing I mean you know how important it is to have a proper diagnosis and the right medication I mean it's very important
1: what was I guess like your first low was the day that you started taking insulin.
0: Yeah. So um, I remember like I'd seen my endo that day and they gave me insulin and told me how to use it. And so I did and I decided to go hit some golf balls. And I remember I was at the driving range hitting golf balls and I was just like, whoa, my tongue feels numb and tingly (laughs) and my eyes are kind of like blurry, not blurry, but like I'm getting kind of like fuzzy and dizzy legs feel weak and went and checked my sugar and sure enough i was having my first low
1: wow did you reach,
0: reach for the glucose tabs yeah
1: did you um i have like three questions on this topic but did you
0: sure.
1: um were you given a cgm right away or were you using
0: uh, at the beginning i was using a glucometer okay they gave me the option mm-hmm. uh, the the um endo gave me the option but um I mean, my mindset at the time, right, was still kind of denial. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to have anything attached to me. Like, I don't, you know, I want to, nothing's any different. I'm going to try to live like nothing's any different, even though obviously it was very different. Um, And eventually I gave in and I swear by my CGM now. Yeah, because you have um, the the
1: CGM and is it the tandem pump that you use?
0: Yes, I have. So I I use Dexcom G6 and the tandem T-Slim X2. And, uh, the, the pump I, I didn't add till later. Um, I was reluctant to have anything attached to me at all. And I got the CGM and it was, it was way cooler than I thought it was going to be. And the technology was incredible and it was less intrusive than I thought it was going to be. But then I started training for a marathon, uh, just at the end of last year and MDIs weren't working. It was, um, I was having too many lows during like long runs. Mm. So earlier this year, I, I switched to a pump um, in February.
1: And it's given you more um, like flexibility.
0: Yes. Yeah. Not having to do the um, basal injections yeah, uh, gives me a lot more flexibility for when I'm doing my cardio.
1: Yeah. I found that too, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. Did you, so this, so you were diagnosed, this was like four years ago, right? Or three years ago?
0: Yeah. Almost four. It'll be four this, this okay. coming May.
1: Yeah. It's such a change. Did you, so did your, did the doctor say anything about like why they think that you were diagnosed because it wasn't in your family?
0: Nope. I don't think they offered up any explanation. Um, I've done like some of my own listening and podcasts and reading and I don't, I might be just totally butchering this explanation, but Um do you know who dr Rhonda patrick yes, is? She's i a love guest her on, on joe um, rogan <laughs> yeah i love yeah i heard her saying i don't know if it's in like epigenetics or something but that it, children of type twos have more of a likelihood of being type one. Oh,
1: interesting i didn't know that um
0: and like i said just something i heard from mm-hmm. her um i i put a lot of faith in her expertise yeah. but um yeah she mentioned that one time on a podcast and i thought that was pretty interesting and I kind of given up on the why, like I just need to let it go. I mean, it happened. Yeah.
1: I often wonder, and this is not based on like any research or anything, but I often wonder if like, just because so many people are getting diagnosed later, if like our environment and different factors like that can play a role.
0: I I wonder too, and I don't know very many I didn't know very many type ones prior to this. So my first interaction, like with the couple that I did know, old neighbors and stuff, um, they were asking me things about like, well, did you get any vaccinations around the time that that happened? And um, a lot of people seem to think that there are some sort of um, environmental or introduced factors that can trigger mm-hmm. it. But I, I really do I really don't know, and haven't spent that much more time digging into it.
1: Yeah, it's so crazy.
0: What, what's your thought on that?
1: I don't know. I think there's probably something to that. I, I, it's just crazy how I feel like. Well, when I was first diagnosed, I was like in denial about it for a, a long time. But so I didn't know anyone else who had it. But the doctor told me because I had a really bad reaction to an immunization shot when I was two, because my family went to India and they took me with them. Um, she Hmm. thought that could have contributed to it, but I wasn't diagnosed till I was nine. So I don't know. And I also had whooping cough at one point when I was little. So I don't know. I've heard of people even getting sick and then being diagnosed, like just like a major cold. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I have no idea. It, It just seems like everybody's stories are so different and there are so many things that people that seem to have caused it or seem to be connected to it or have triggered it or whatever that I, I don't really have like a, like a, a firm grasp on what could be the case, what what could have caused it.
1: It's crazy. And do you think going back to like your anxiety back before your, your diagnosis, do you think that you were diabetic then? And it was like your a reaction that your body was having to your blood sugars
0: so i do and i and it's weird because like i don't know how long it would have been feasible for me to be diabetic and you know not have insulin before i was sicker than i was even um you know my doctor i was asking these questions to my doctor and she was like well it could have been like a slow degradation of your pancreatic function so you know it could have been happening slowly over time um and I feel like that's the case because now knowing how I feel like when my blood sugars are extreme, high or low, mm-hmm. I think what was happening at the time is you know, that hormone wasn't working right and something in my body was off and I didn't feel very good and I was feeling all these physical effects of what was probably high blood sugar at the time and that led to a panic attack because I had no idea what was going on in my body. Yeah. You know, if it even was a panic attack. And and if I'm right about that, if if it was really going on for that extended period of time, this was at the very beginning. Um so this was about a year-long process mm-hmm. from the time I had a panic attack until the time I was diagnosed. But if it was going on that whole time, I can specifically remember that when I'd come back from that trip and I had gotten um, tested for you know, they, they they did a blood panel, they did a physical, they did all this stuff. This was
1: for anxiety? Uh,
0: they just, well, when I said I was having a panic attack or when I came home, I was like, yeah, my heart was beating fast. So they checked me out to make sure that I wasn't, you know, having, they didn't have anything going on with me. But when I was looking back recently through all those medical tests and everything, I never had my blood sugar checked. And I remember that I was leaving my doctor's office one day and she's like, kind of confused you know like well yeah it must just be anxiety i don't know what's going on and i was walking out the door and she goes you know there's one more thing we can do and she looked at me and she looked me up and down and she's like well you eat pretty healthy right because i mean i was in shape i was fit and i exercise a lot and um she's like you eat pretty healthy right and i'm like yeah and she's like yeah you know what never mind and i i can't be certain i can't be certain but i can almost guarantee that she wanted to test my blood that's sugar. That's so crazy. I mean, I don't know because I never had that yeah. conversation with her. I switched doctors a long time ago, so I never got the opportunity to ask. But that's what I think she was insinuating. And I think that I would have known a year sooner if we had done that. Yeah, it's, So check your blood sugar. Yeah, really. Because <laughs> it's
1: almost like even my, <laughs> my dad will check his blood sugar, but he's not diabetic at all. Like I don't have anyone in my family that is. But... I think it's one of those things that's, like, so common now that it kind of makes sense, you know, just to yeah test it, even on your own, <laughs> without.
0: Yeah, and, I, and CGMs are catching on, I think, like, in the fitness world and in the nutrition world, people who aren't diabetic. I mean, I've heard of a lot of people wearing them just to get a glimpse of what's going on inside your body, like we get yeah. to. Yeah you know, for, for a normal person, just with food. It's so
1: interesting that you say that because there's this doctor, I forget what his name is, but he, um I follow him on Instagram and he posted something this morning that, cause he wears a CGM sometimes. And he was saying something about like how more people should start using it just for their overall health. Mm-hmm. And he was like something about the FDA. He was like, can we make this like more possible for people to get, and I was like, yeah, "Yes" to
0: that. Totally, I think it's important. Uh, I've, I've listened to a number of people who talk about nutrition and diet, saying how you know they're not diabetic. And and there's one guy in particular. Um, his name's uh, I think his name's Rob Wolf. I think he might be like a paleo diet advocate, but him and his wife will wear CGMs, and neither of them are diabetic. Um, and. They will eat the same things and then they will watch the the glucose response in their body just to understand what foods affect certain individuals in different ways. Because he'll say, you know, his wife will eat rice and won't see a bump at all, and he'll eat it and he'll see his blood sugar go up to like 150. Yeah. And he's not even diabetic. And it's just crazy that it's that individualized. Yes, it you know? it's,
1: yeah. it's kind of cool too. I mean, just thinking of like being type one and how we all are so affected differently by the same things, which oh yeah, is crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because I it's like we all understand the the struggle, but it's like I'm reluctant to give anyone advice because I I also understand how different everyone's situation is and everyone's responses are to different things like food or exercise or any yeah. of that.
1: Yeah, and it's so it's nice to know just how. How we all are affected too, because it, it's almost like you can use that as a guideline for your just to be more aware of like this could, but it might not. Yes. But totally. Did you find that when, because you were like super in shape and then you probably had like a routine, right? Like with your training and everything and your cardio when you were diagnosed? Uh, before. Yeah, before your diagnosis. So yeah. when you were diagnosed, did you find it was difficult to like manage everything and, and you know how it was before.
0: Yeah, so it it immediately got hard. Well, so I I work out probably like five to six days a week, and it, I was like eager to get back to working out. I was put on restriction when they first diagnosed me because I I didn't have ketoacidosis, but they said that I had a lot of ketones, so to avoid working mm-hmm. out. Um, and so I was eager to get back to working out, and um, once I was on insulin and started working out, it was a huge change because I used to just work out whenever I wanted to. I mean, I would stick it in, you know, at lunchtime, I would go to the gym or go for a run or, you know, after work, I would go for a run just anytime I wanted to, anytime I had time, I'd just stick it in and go. And I immediately learned that you can't do that yeah. with insulin. I mean, you have to plan, you you know, if I, I give myself a shot in the morning to get my blood sugars under control and then go for a run and then just be on the floor. Cause I, you know, would crash yeah. so hard. And so, yeah, it, it, it took a while for me to figure out a new routine. And uh, now I, I, I work out fasted in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I feel like that's the easiest. I don't have any insulin on board. And um, the other thing too, is, you know, I used to be able to just do whatever I, whatever workout I wanted, whenever I wanted now, like, if I do wake up and I'm high and I have to give myself an adjustment, I have to just be flexible enough, okay, I'm not going to go for a run today. I'm going to do, like, an insanity video in my garage so that I'm close to home and just in case a low comes on because I had to give myself insulin, things like that. I mean, yeah, you just have to kind of roll with the the punches.
1: Totally. It's like that – it's that balance between, like, having – needing to have control but then not having any at all. <laughs> like right? Yes, It's totally. It's tough. That one on Instagram, that one video that you posted made me laugh where you were eating M&Ms on the treadmill because I could totally relate oh, to that. Oh gosh. Even just having a juice box or, you know, giving myself an, a bolus while I'm working out. I'm like, people are probably just looking at me.
0: Oh, it's so funny. I was, yeah, I was in Chicago and I was on the treadmill and there was someone next to me and I'd literally opened my bag of M&Ms and just plopped it right on top. And I swear, I felt the person looking over like, what is this guy doing? (laughs) Like, just don't eat the M&Ms and you don't need to get on the treadmill. (laughs) But I didn't have any glucose tabs. So you're
1: like, this is what's happening. (laughs) You just have to make do. Exactly. Um, Do you find that? Because what's your routine look like right now with um, like, because you've like maintained, you've not only lost all the weight, but you've been able to maintain it. So that. And just managing your blood sugars, like what is your, what's your routine look like today?
0: So, um, it, it kind of always changes, uh, with the seasons. A lot of the time it changes. Cause you know, I like to, I like to work out early in the morning. Like I said, run in the morning before uh, the kids get up and I take, take my son to school. Um, but it's getting a little bit colder now. I know we're, I'm a wuss. It's Southern California cold, but it's a little bit colder. So, um, But right now, my routine is basically three to four days a week, I will run, Um, I lift weights probably two to three days a week. And I recently just started jujitsu. Oh, awesome. Um, Yeah, and that's kind of what what I was trying to say with when I was saying it's always changing. I I like to find new hobbies. and, And I get in a routine for a certain period of time, but then I like to change it up just so that my workouts maintain their effectiveness I feel like if I just run constantly, like I'll plateau or I'll start to lose muscle mass. Um, you know, so I'm kind of always trying to cycle through new activities and new workouts and I'll make like a routine for a while. And then, you know, when the season changes, like right now it starts to get colder. So now I'm doing more jujitsu and go mountain biking and doing things that I don't have to do like first thing in the morning and get them out of the way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, probably about, five days a week of cardio and two days a week of weights. That's
1: awesome. Do you, so for yeah. jujitsu, how do you, where do you put your pump when you're doing that?
0: So I'm still, well, I don't wear my, I don't wear my pump while I'm actually doing jujitsu. Okay. Um, I just like take it off and if I need to, I'll, you know, pre bolus ahead of time or um, most of the time though, it's, if I'm in range, it'll, it'll stay in range unless it gets like super, strenuous then it'll spike a little bit but um yeah i had my dexcom sensor ripped off of my arm twice now already so i'm I'm still new at the jujitsu thing and i'm still trying to learn where to put things i've actually just put that question out on instagram this morning looking for some advice yeah
1: Um, because even with like pockets right like you can't really
0: and there's no pockets in a gi Mm. yeah so there'd be nowhere to put anything
1: someone should invent like a (laughs) a gi that has like some sort of hidden place. I don't know where you'd put that, I, but
0: I'd be afraid to do it actually with, with the pump on maybe if I had a pod, yeah. um, but with the actual pump pump, it would be kind of hard. Cause like you're in such contorted positions mm-hmm. and you're rolling around and I'd be afraid to like roll on the screen and crack it or something.
1: That'd be interesting um, to see yeah, what it. people say. Cause I'm sure totally. lots of people do so pe- people do it. Yeah. Um, So, and then, so you ran a marathon, was it, when was that?
0: Uh, so I ran the OC marathon this year, uh, in May. It was, I think it was, it was either the third or the fifth. I don't remember. Um, but it was May, beginning of May this year. And, um, I was supposed to run the LA marathon. I trained with a friend, um, but I got the flu the week of the LA marathon. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. And so I, he ran it and I, um, you know, just had to recover. And then I trained for an extra month because that was, that was supposed to be in March, the end of March. And then, so I just basically recovered, trained through April and then jumped on the OC marathon instead. Um, And the reason why I did that was um, it's part of this thing that I, I'm doing now, I guess, where I'm continually just proving to myself that I can do things that, I didn't do even before I was diagnosed with diabetes or didn't think I could do even before I was diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah. Um, just to prove to myself that there's no reason to feel limited. That was a huge, a huge fear that I had.
1: With being diagnosed?
0: Yes. Once I was diagnosed.
1: And I mean, I think that's so incredible, but also such a fear that I think a lot of people have just with being diabetic.
0: Yeah. And <sighs> I'll tell you, I mean, it's definitely harder um, to do these things. I, I, in 2017, I did a Spartan race. uh, That was, I just did the sprint, the short one. Mm -hmm. That was hard. I didn't have a pump at the time. I mean, I remember my sugars just out of control through the roof. I mean, I was in Big Bear and I remember running up a hill and my sugars were like 330 or something. And just thinking to myself, like, this isn't good. Yeah. You know, I got to figure out a better way to, to do this and control this. And so when I started training for the marathon, I, at the time, I didn't know, I wasn't on social media. I've never really been a big fan of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't on social media. Um, and I was thinking, I didn't know very many type ones. It seemed like I was the only one, or, you know, maybe there's a few of us. Like, I didn't know anybody except for a couple people, maybe. Eh. And so I, Signed up for Instagram, thinking, you know, like I'm going to figure this out, and maybe someone will get something from this. Yeah. <laughs> and it was amazing because it was the exact opposite. I signed up for Instagram, and there was already a ton of people out there doing it, and I learned so much from them. It was one of the best things I've done.
1: Yeah,
0: and that's how that's how we met. Yeah. Go into that meetup. Was
1: that your first meetup?
0: That was my. It's my first and only yeah, one. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for another one to pop up so I can go. I mean it to anyone out there listening to this, if you've been thinking about a meetup uh, or been reluctant to go to a meetup, Oh my goodness. It will change your life. It was awesome. Yeah. It was so cool.
1: Yeah. That was really cool. That, yeah. It's like, yeah. maybe we should just do one here in California. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: down, throw it yeah. out there and I'll be yeah, there. We should. Um, but yeah, so I decided to train for this marathon and I, I, um, again wanted to prove to myself that I could do these difficult things and I, uh, I started a little bit I, I added a little more time to my training because I knew that it was gonna be rough trying to manage my blood sugar and I was gonna need to understand diet and I was gonna have to eat a lot more and I was gonna have to do so many things different that I was afraid to do eat more carbs and inject more insulin and and you know eat while I'm running and learn how to be uh, far away from home you know when you're running 20 miles yeah be far away from home exhausted exerted and and manage and deal and figure out how to make it back and these were all goals that I set out to achieve and and you did I I did it Uh, yeah and
1: how how did it go like did you have any lows during because the marathon that's a long run
0: yes so during my actual marathon I didn't have any lows um that was kind of one of the things that I I learned to be more cautious about so I when I first started training for it like in October of last year I was on MDIs okay. and I was having lows constantly I mean just I couldn't I mean I was just getting sick of all the goo and all the stuff that I would have to eat to keep my blood sugar up um, that's what made me switch to the pump because it gave me that flexibility
1: yeah
0: what was the, what was the original question? Just
1: Sorry. how, how your sugars were like overall during the rate, like oh. how, how it was, I guess for anyone, I know there's so yeah. many, there's, have you heard of like the, I forget what it is beyond type one run. Like, I know there's a lot of runners in that have type one, but yes. for anyone who's like thinking about running, how do you, how did yes. you find So that?
0: the pump definitely makes it way easier to manage, um, having a glucose monitor, uh, I would almost say is a must, especially if you want to be able to experiment and understand what's going on in your body minute by minute. Because when you're exercising it happens a lot faster than when you're just kind of sitting around Yeah.
1: So a CGM has been like life changing.
0: Oh totally. If I if I could only have one, it would definitely be the CGM. Yeah. I think knowing knowing what's going on is key to to any adjustment you want to make. Yeah, when I first started out, crazy lows, uh, then you know, roller coasters to crazy highs, just sucking down a bunch of carbs and sugar and nutrition while I was running.
1: And this was during the marathon?
0: This is during the training. Oh, okay. But then once I got the pump and once I, I you know, I did a I did a ten K and then a half marathon and things were kinda rocky. But once I, I did the marathon, I had it pretty dialed to where I think I posted a picture of it. Um, but I think I, I maintained basically like a, a 150 or a 160, like pretty steady That's amazing. the whole time, <laughs> That's
1: awesome.
0: which was solid for me. Yeah, I, I know some people really want to stay in range, but I was just trying to not go too high without going so low that I had to stop. I mean, that was my goal. I was just trying to be gracious with myself,
1: yeah
0: um, not needing to be perfect. I just wanted to do it and I did it. That's a
1: good way to think about it and amazing that you did it <laughs> and it was in range. Cause there's nothing worse than like going low and all of a sudden you have no energy. I can imagine if you, especially oh, if you're in the middle of a marathon.
0: I feel like it would have been so demoralizing to me if I had to stop or quit or any of those things, you know, or something related to diabetes, you know, hindered my ability to finish. I think that that would have been so demoralizing and had such negative consequences on my my, um, my outlook, but yeah, I think that the more you experiment and the more you practice and the more you are willing to, to try new things, I think that you'll eventually figure it out. And that's what I did. I just basically had to experiment on myself until I figured it out.
1: Yeah. That's so inspiring because I think that's something that so many people are probably more afraid to try something in case they fail rather than just trying it and then learning how To handle it for themselves, right?
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, you can, you can get advice and get tips and all that stuff is helpful, but ultimately, like in the end, it's your body is going to be completely different and going to have a completely different set of requirements and react differently. And you really do have to experiment on yourself to, to really get the results you want.
1: Yeah. No, you're so right. Was it hard to, like, did you ever get stuck in that place of trying to, be perfect like one way or the other with like your ranges and your blood sugars and just all of that kind of stuff or have you been pretty has it been easier for you to just kind of like go with the flow and like learn as you go
0: so going with the flow is something that i'm working on i was very hard on myself i was probably still am a perfectionist to some degree Mm -hmm. but i'm trying i'm really like consciously trying to let that one go i remember thinking after i got my first um like a one C test back after I had been on insulin for the, for a full three months. And it was, you know, it was great. It was like in, in the sixes somewhere, 6.3 or two or something. And I remember thinking to myself, no, that's not good enough. I want my one C to be what it should be. If I yeah. didn't have diabetes, <laughs> you know, like I thought I was just going to dominate and, you know, it was going to be, I was going to be diligent. I was going to make it happen, but then life is just, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks when you're trying to do that, when you don't let yourself have any fun and you don't have any, um, you know, leeway to relax because, you know, we don't get breaks from, from totally. this. It's
1: like a full time job. Yeah.
0: And so you you have to give yourself not breaks, but you you I mean, maybe if that's what you want to call them, but you you have to let it, you know, let yourself let your hair down a little bit, if you will. Yeah. And And enjoy the food or take a break from exercise or whatever, and don't beat yourself up over it. If your A1C is not perfect. Um, I'm learning that lesson.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it's a lesson that we all have to learn as we go. Right. Cause we all want to yeah. be healthy.
0: Yes. Every, yeah, totally.
1: Um, did you find like after your marathon with your recovery, like were your legs just jacked, did that, <laughs> did that happen to you?
0: Yes. So I did not have, I think I went out too hard and I ended up Getting really bad cramps in my calves and having to run for oh. pretty much half of the marathon with calf cramps, so that part wasn't awesome.
1: Yeah, and then the next day, could you walk?
0: <laughs> no. No,pe I couldn't walk for a couple of days. I think I slept downstairs oh my in my God. house the first night because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't go upstairs. Yeah, I heard. And I think that that was just running through the cramps because I'd never experienced that much, um, that much muscle pain like after any of my long training mm-hmm. runs but I think the cramps and then running through the cramps just did me in.
1: Yeah. I've heard of that happening. Did that affect your blood sugars at all? Or was it the yeah, cramping? just like any of the physical response from being, I guess, over trained for that?
0: <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't remember to be honest. Um, yeah, I wasn't paying much attention. Like in the days afterwards, I was just more focused on celebrating that I did That's it and good. just recovering. I didn't, didn't really even pay attention to my blood sugars after the fact.
1: That's good. You need to, you need to celebrate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Um, I know that we should probably wrap things up, but I did want to just say like in terms of the whole anxiety thing, just going back to that, because I yes. definitely feel like that. I mean, it's just so interesting how that, how that happened for you. And I think that you're onto something with perhaps that could have affected it. Cause I didn't realize until I got a CGM, but because I've had panic attacks since I was like eleven, which was a couple of years after my diagnosis. And I didn't realize until I got like an actual CGM that when my blood sugar is going high, even if it's not high yet, just having that the arrows going up, I get such bad anxiety. So I think for me, I think that anxiety is closely correlated to just being diabetic.
0: But. So, would you do you think that you get anxiety because you know it's going up, or have you sensed the anxiety and then looked and found out that it was going it's, up?
1: I've sensed the anxiety first. So, I think it's almost like a physical response that my body huh. has. And I remember okay. like when I first got anxiety, and I went to see the therapist and the doctor, and they all said, you know, went through their whole thing of like, well, what happened in your life? Why, like, trying to figure it out? And they said that a lot of the time anxiety can be, um, triggered from like a, like your brain remembering or some sort of like response to some trauma that's happened in your life. Almost. It's like a warning. Hmm. And so it puts you back in that place. And so I was like, Hmm, it could it be a warning of like, Hey, something's not right in your body. So we're like warning you, but you know, I don't know.
0: I, I com- I would completely agree with that. I think, I mean, this is just my understanding of it, but you know insulin's a hormone, and when your hormones are off like it can it can make you feel weird and i I totally think that that's what I was experiencing uh when I thought I was or maybe I was having a panic attack as a reaction to what was going on inside my yeah. body and i I definitely notice that now when my blood sugars are out of whack, and I'm in stressful situations that what is normally you know, just manageable stress that with a clear head, I can shrug off or, you know, talk my way, talk myself through that. It just turns into anxiety much quicker um, than it would
1: otherwise. Yeah. That's so interesting and crazy how our bodies are so just work that way, right? Like everything's so kind of like intertwined.
0: <laughs> uh, it's a very complex machine.
1: It is. It's totally.
0: <laughs> yes. Um,
1: so, before we like wrap everything up, but this has been so fun. I'm so glad that we made this happen.
0: Cool. Yes. I'm, this is my first, first podcast. And, and you're the awesome. first, very
1: first <laughs> guest on this podcast. So, I'm so glad that we made it happen. But I wanted to, is there any like, so for someone who might be, first of all, like maybe starting their fitness journey, weight loss specifically, what sort of tips or any like challenges that you had that you overcome that like you might be able to give to someone who's thinking about starting, but just doesn't even know where to begin. They're like, I don't know that like, I want to lose weight, but I have no idea where to start.
0: So the first, the first tips that I would give are, um, like we talked about, uh, set some, set some short-term goals, um, so that you're not shooting, reaching for the stars right out of the Mm -hmm. gate, um, make small changes, you know, uh, change your lifestyle entirely and make small changes so that they're, they're manageable things that you know that you can live with for a long period of time. Um, don't be afraid to take breaks and cheat and, and, you know, uh, take some time off of that lifestyle. As long as you know that you can get back on track, Um, And use activities that you enjoy for motivation. Like if you're, you like mountain biking or swimming or surfing or whatever it is, um, you know, work toward set goals, working toward those activities. Um, Be compassionate, be compassionate with yourself. You're going to fail. Uh, at something, you know, you might miss a small goal uh, that you set, uh, but don't let that like end it all. Just set a new one the next time, and and figure out a way to make it work. Totally. Be honest with yourself. That's a huge one. You have to do it for you. You can't do it for for anyone else or or anything else. Yeah, those are the for anyone getting started. Those are the things that I would take into consideration, and and then specifically for the type ones. I would say um, you know, find a routine that works good for you and be sure that you're on top of your management as much as possible because one of the things that will set you back is the hypo snacks. I mean, that's a big one for me. Me too. I go low and I just start slamming anything that I can to feel better. And I mean, who knows how many hundreds of calories that can be at a time sometimes. Yeah,
1: that's... Um,
0: so be, be aware of that.
1: <laughs> That's a big one. And do you feel, cause so do you, have you heard like so many people talk about how insulin causes weight gain or they fear that it does?
0: Yes. So I've heard that and I've, I've drawn my own conclusion about that. Um, my conclusion is that the more, the more insulin you need is because there's more nutrients or food or glucose or in your body to be mm-hmm. absorbed. And so I think that it's a, I think that it's a corresponding thing to how much you're eating, um, and if you need more insulin, it's because you're eating more. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think that just by virtue of taking insulin that that makes you gain weight, but this is just my own rationalization of that. Yeah. Which, that myth or wives' tale.
1: That makes total sense though. Yeah. And then for someone who's like newly diagnosed too. What sort of advice would you give them to just accept, I guess, and like live healthy and not feel and just, I guess, do as you've done and, and be unstoppable despite having diabetes or for the person who's like feeling that they're limited in some way?
0: Uh, I would just, I would tell them, you know, you probably can't see it now, but this isn't a limitation. Your life is not over. I'm proof of that. I decided to prove it to myself and I did it and anyone can do it. I'm not special. Um, And set a goal for yourself to do something that you never did or never thought you could do before you were diagnosed and watch yourself achieve that goal. And then just watch that, watch that turn into your new lifestyle and achieving that goal will be so, it will feel so good. Um, And you'll realize that, you're not limited and how capable you are.
1: Amazing. Totally. So true. And where can people connect with you?
0: I'm at Chad Okuma, C-H-A-D-O-K-U-M-A on Twitter and Instagram. I don't really use Twitter, mostly just Instagram. And then I'm Chad Okuma on Facebook.
1: On Facebook. Okay, cool. I'll um, link in the show notes. I'll I'll put your links for Instagram and And Facebook, I'll find you and I'll link to them on on there if people want to connect with you. if That's cool.
0: Sure. And if, I mean, like I said, I don't do this for a living, uh, but if anyone has any questions just about my experience or they do want advice or tips or whatever, I'm an open book. Please feel free to reach out to me. My goal in doing this with you and in making my journey running a marathon and all that stuff public was seriously just to inspire someone to get off the couch or crawl out of that dark hole after your diagnosis or whatever it is um, to do something, do something positive. That's all I want. I just want to inspire somebody.
1: I love it. And I'm sure you're going to inspire more than one person because I feel like there's been some amazing things that we covered today and just your, your whole journey in general and just how everything has fallen into place. Like, it's very inspiring even for me. So I'm just so excited that you are the first person on this podcast and thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. It was awesome.
1: Yes. All right. Take care and we'll right. we'll talk soon. Take care, Tyler. <laughs> All right, Chad. Bye.
0: Okay. Bye-bye.
1: How incredibly amazing was that? If you felt inspired in some way, we would love to hear from you. I would love for you to take a screenshot of this episode right now, before you close out of the app and post it on your Instagram story, tag myself and Chad in your story and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and how it inspired you. Thank you so much for tuning in today the fact that you're here right now listening to this really does mean the world to me. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to leave me a five-star review. It really helps this podcast out a bunch and it makes it possible for other people to hear this content as well. And so it only takes a couple of seconds. Please do take a second to do that. And don't forget to subscribe because when you subscribe, it'll ensure you do not miss out on future episodes, our weekly content, and even bonus episodes. So thank you again for tuning in today. And I hope to see you next week inside my free live online class, the three key steps to losing fat with type one diabetes. And I'm linking to everything in the show notes. So be sure to check the show notes for all the details and I will see you next week.